Dreams of men's World Cup qualifying have so long been dashed in Canada, and Honduras was a place where they often came to an end, not last night. A 2-0 win keeps the Canadians undefeated and on top of qualifying standings heading into a huge match against the U.S. in Hamilton on Sunday. You can forgive soccer fans for thinking maybe, just maybe, a decades-long World Cup drought for the men's team could be over at last. With more, I'm joined by Josh Cloak, staff writer at the the Athletic, rather, and author of Come On You Reds, the story of Toronto FC. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me. I mean, um, just to sort of start with the very latest development, which was a win in Honduras last night for Team Canada, um, maybe explain to our listeners how important the win was for this tournament, but also historically just how often Canadian World Cup dreams seem to go to end in Honduras. Yeah, Honduras has never been kind of a, 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 I guess we could just say a nice place to play for, for Canadian teams, right? Most people think about... The loss in 2012, uh, that 8-1 loss against Honduras, in which Canada needed a win to go through to the final round of World Cup qualifying, which they are in now. Uh, and they got, you know, embarrassed um, in a way that, that cost a lot of people their jobs. Um, I think that one was really resonating with a lot of fans. But, you know, their their history of Honduras, you know, has been really unkind for a generation. The last time they won there was in 1985. And that makes a lot of sense. It's a historically difficult place to play, right? There's the the fan base is rabid. This is a fan base that has been known to to throw things at fans, including, you know, a lot of former players will tell you about having bags of urine thrown at you and, and all manner of objects. And, you know, you have a heavy military presence in and around the stadium, and it's a really intimidating place to play. Um, And so for Canada to go in there and just put in a real kind of workmanlike performance, right? It wasn't glamorous. I think, you know, the two goals that that Canada scored bookended a real kind of slugfest. Um, So for Canada to kind of stay composed, um, be really kind of tactically astute and keep Honduras away from goal and not kind of allow them many chances. I I think that speaks to where this team is at right now. And, Speaking of that, uh, looking at how they won, because it felt like a game they they so often in the past would have found a way to lose. Um, where how did how did this win symbolize the kind of team that we've seen over the course of this qualification, and where does this leave them in the qualifying uh, in terms of qualifying for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean they still stay top of the table in the World Cup qualifying, which I, I honestly think if you would have asked anyone, kind of any Canadian soccer person coming into this, if, if after nine match days, they'd be top of the table. I, I, I don't think anyone would have believed that this is a team that has so much quality, but so much attacking quality. There was questions, you know, about this team's uh, defense and, and, and their kind of defensive midfield structure coming into this tournament. So I was, I think a lot of people are really surprised where they're at. And, you know, in particular, CONCACAF is a very difficult place to win on the road, right? Teams can win at home, but, you know, like I said before, um, the kind of locales that a lot of teams go to, this isn't a place where a lot of players often venture to. You know, you look at the Canadian team, it's made up of of players that play in Europe and and play in MLS. And so they don't often go to travel and and play in Central America. So that, again, that, that can be an intimidating process. And, for them to go and get a win on the road in Honduras um, 
is really crucial because again, the, the majority of their games remaining are on the road. So if you can do one, you can kind of build a lot of confidence off that and, and look ahead and just say, look, we know what to do. We know what the game plan is. We know how to kind of block out those distractions. And I think that's what kind of gives this Canadian team a lot of confidence is that, you know, that this was a big one to get over the hump, to get a win on the road in Central America because they have another crucial game in El Salvador in just a few days. Um, and so I don't think it will be as intimidating for this team moving forward. For listeners who may not be familiar with how the CONCACAF um, World Cup qualifying is set up, they had an initial round where teams, a certain amount of teams were eliminated. And then they go into to, it's an eight-team sort of play down where they're at now. And I think even most not casual soccer fans will recognize that Mexico and the U.S. are really the dominant teams. Costa Rica's in there too. Who's left and who's really pushing to qualify? And where does Canada sit in terms of its chances of making it to the World Cup right now? So there's a few kind of websites that, that track, you know, teams' chances around the world of qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, and one website I saw this morning, one stat that got passed around, Canada right now has a 99.5 chance of qualifying for the World Cup. Um, that's, that's, pretty, un- that's pretty good. That's pretty that's, good. <laughs> well, it's it's unprecedented, right? I think if you look at the the history of this this national team, yes, they're in the final round of World Cup qualifying. Can be a real long, drawn out, you know, procedure. It can take you know sometimes up up to two years, right, to qualify for a World Cup. And just for context, yes, Canada is in the final round of qualifying. They haven't even been in the final round since 1997, right? Uh, before the best players on this this Canadian team were even born, right? They usually, you know, they very often get bounced by some of the minnows, you know, of of CONCACAF. Um, And now that they're considered, you know, one of the best three teams, again, it just speaks to the growth of the game and and the work that's gone into this program. Um, But in terms of the teams that are kind of in and around there, I think Panama and Costa Rica are the two teams, you know, beyond Mexico and the United States that if you're a Canadian fan, you probably have to worry about. Canada's chances of qualifying in this window are basically slim to none, right? Because Mexico gets their win last night. Um, So you're really looking at how are Panama and Costa Rica going to play over these next two games. And I think a lot of people have probably the first or second game of the next window kind of circled on their calendars as the one when, when Canada could qualify um, their first game, they go to Costa Rica um, or excuse me, the first game they go to Panama, which could really, you know, change things, change the course of, of this team. Um, so they're, look, they're right there. They're really, really right there. And it's just been kind of for, for observers like me, you know, you come into this this qualifying campaign back in September and you think, wow, maybe the talent is there. Like they, they have on paper arguably the most talented squad in North America, right? But they haven't done it before. So you're all you're gonna do is is have questions about this team. But every step of the way, you know, they've answered the questions. They've 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 beat Mexico, they've they've gotten draws against the United States, they've gotten wins in Central America, right? They they're they're the only undefeated team. So this team has done a really good job of just answering every question along the way. Um which again speaks to the depth of this team and, and speaks to the I guess the the fact or the reason that that so many people across this country 
are are hopping on the bandwagon as as well they should. I'm speaking with Josh Cloak, staff writer for The Athletic and author of Come On You Reds, the story of Toronto FC. We're talking about Canada's win over Honduras in World Cup qualifying in Honduras uh, last night. A big win for the team, still on top of the standings in terms of World Cup qualifying, uh, with another big match coming up on Sunday in Hamilton, where Josh happens to be. I wanted to ask you about that as well. But but quickly, I mean, I think a lot of Canadians, I mean, we've been watching soccer over the past little bit, but it happens to be, I mean, Christine Sinclair happens to be the biggest soccer name in this country after the women's uh, gold medal victory in Tokyo and so forth. But really, the men's team now is getting some real backing you're seeing that surge of 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 fans sort of latching on to this team tell me a bit about what makes this particular team um so appealing and and so special as a canadian national team i think for me what makes this team so i would always say important is that it represents um canada modern canada in a way that maybe some of the teams in the past didn't, right? You look at the the key faces on this team. Alfonso Davies, you know, was a refugee to this country. Jonathan David uh, was an immigrant from Haiti, right? Tejan Buchanan um, came from, you know, real kind of humble beginnings uh, in Brampton and just kind of graduated, moved up on his own. There's This is a team, you know, made up of players of color, Right. This is a team that speaks to, I think, what a lot of people kind of, you know, appreciate about Canada. And that's, you know, the diversity and the multiculturalism that that makes this, um, you know, again, if this country is any good, it's all at all. It's it's because of those two things, I think. Um, and so I think when people look at this team, they can kind of they can identify with it. Right. Because, um, you know, the, the country is constantly changing. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of young Canadians, they can look at this team and they can say, well, you know, if, if Alfonso Davies can come from somewhere else, um, settle in Canada and, and grow in Canada and grow to the biggest stages in the world, you know, Champions League winner, um, then then why can't I? And, and the same goes for a player like Jonathan David, right? You know, immigrant from another country comes here um, and just moves from, you know, really recreational soccer just outside of Ottawa um, to to Belgium um, and then to, to France um, and, and is now one of the top goal scorers in France. It just speaks to, you know, again, that that belief that I think a lot of young Canadians can have watching this team that if they can do it, I can do it too. And that's not something I think we saw very often with Canadian national teams in the past, right? Uh, you know, national teams in the past were built the way that um, they were kind of modeled after a lot of Canadian hockey teams in a way they were they were physical, they were defensively sturdy, and they were really unglamorous to watch. This team is exciting. They're fast. They're dynamic, and they're just so compelling. And I think that's why so many Canadians are kind of saying, "What? What? What is this team? I, I want to be a part of this team because it's it's contagious, right?" I'm back with Josh Cloak, staff writer for the Athletic. Uh, we're talking about the U- Canadian men's national team's win in Honduras last night in soccer, uh, leaving them at top on top of the World Cup qualifying standings for now. Big game coming up on Sunday that we'll talk about as well. But Josh, just quickly, there was some fascinating article that you wrote because there's a lot of talk now about Canada qualifying for the World Cup, obviously, and the expectations are high. So that's brought a lot of us back to the last time we qualified for the World Cup, which goes back a very long time now to uh, 1986. 
Um, but tell me a bit about about looking into that 1985 qualifying games, those last ones against Honduras, and the parallels between then and now. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to 1985 when, when Canada did qualify for the World Cup, the World Cup then was very different for what it is now, and Canadian soccer um, was very different from what it is now. Essentially, Canada had one game in that they had to win against Honduras, and and basically the winner of that game would go to the World Cup in 1986 to Mexico. And the Canadian head coach at the time, Tony Waiters, who was an Englishman, um, he wanted to make life difficult um, for the Honduras team. And that's something that, interestingly enough, you talk to players that played on the national team through the 90s and the 2000s, that's something they felt didn't happen enough. Sometimes they felt that they rolled out the red carpet for opposing teams and would have games in beautiful Vancouver or Toronto and, you know, and, and they would, you know, put these other teams up in great hotels. Um, but Tony waiters said, no, let's, let's make life difficult. Um, and so he proposed to have the game played literally at a park in Newfoundland and St. John's. Um, and, you know, that made sure that the game was subject to intense winds, rain, and, you know, the Honduras team themselves really had trouble finding St. John's on a map. And there's a few great stories about how some of their traveling fans ended up in St. John, New Brunswick, um, because they couldn't tell the difference. And so, you know, Tony wanted to give this Canadian team every advantage possible. And, you know, you, you send this team out to St. John's and uh, for a week ahead of time, and they, the locals really welcome them. Um, and and turn this game into kind of a spectacle that they could call their own. Um, and again, it was, you know, you think about a, a massive, you know, World Cup qualifying game. Now you picture tens of thousands of people in a modern stadium. Again, this was at a park with kind of makeshift benches around. And you can, when you watch the game on YouTube now, you can still see the school buses in the background. It's just, um, it's incredible. But it, it was a, you know, a win that, was really still probably the most important win in Canadian soccer history. And the goals were scored by, you know, an amateur soccer player at the time, which again speaks to what Canadian soccer was, you know, George Pecos was a, a he was a water meter reader. And that's just, this again, it, it was a very, very different time. Um, but to beat Honduras then really kind of, it cemented that team's place in, in history. And, and I think when people talk about Honduras again, they talk about the 8-1 loss in, in 2012. But I think people should probably, and my hope is that as more and more people get interested in this men's national team, they they kind of take a look at the history of you know soccer in this country because there is a lot of history, not all of it positive, but there are some really great stories um, of some people that really kind of forged a path you know, with this game in this country. So fast forward now back to 2022, um, there's a big game coming up in Hamilton on Sunday. Tell me a bit about who's coming and uh, what the atmosphere might be like and what's on what's at stake. Yeah, so um, this will be the second game of, of this three-game kind of window, you know, that international teams play multiple games within the space of about a week and a half before players go back to their club sides. And so... Uh, this game against the Americans who are in second place right now is just, it's incredibly crucial to to kind of stay, not only stay at the top of the table, but separate yourself from the Americans and, and buy a little breathing room. 
Um, the choice was made to have the game in Hamilton in January, which I think would probably confuse a lot of people given that I, you know, I, I went out for groceries today and it was minus 15. It took me a while to get the car started and, but you're going to be playing a world cup qualifying game because you don't want to, to have your players cross time zones and you, you know, you, they're going to be traveling back to El Salvador the next day. So you want to kind of keep them in the same time zone, but you also want to try and make life as difficult as you can for the American side. I mean, they've countered by having scheduling their games this window in, in St. Paul and Columbus, which are kind of equally cold. Um, but I do think this is just going to be another one of those kind of historic games in this window, because you look at the the games at Edmonton a few months ago, you know, you had tractors uh, plowing the snow off the, the pitch kind of in the, in the, in the warmups. And I, I, I suspect we might see something similar, right? This is these are the kind of games that that you know I I think can kind of rally a country because people can look outside and say, yeah, I might have tried to to kick a ball in kind of similar frigid surroundings. Um, the stadium will only be half full because of government restrictions, but um, I suspect that it will be a largely Canadian audience. You know, Canadian national teams have sometimes struggled to to draw home fans, right? You get a lot of, um, you know, immigrants and people that have come to Canada, but still support teams from their home. Um, and I, I think we're seeing less and less of that. Uh, so look, it'll be another big one for the men's national team. A win would just put them really in the driver's seat for a world cup spot. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's in kind of a prime time slot too. So I think a lot of people are banking on this being another game to kind of galvanize the country. I'm looking forward to it. Joshua Cloak, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me.